listening to CPC Together, a podcast by Central Peninsula Church in the San Francisco Bay Area. You and I have some crazy travel stories. You alluded to it a little bit in your message. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you mine first. Okay. Uh, mine is mine is sad. Katie and I are supposed to go on a cruise on Sunday, and now she has tested positive for COVID. And I called them, and I was uh, like, is there any way we can make it if she's negative worst. by then? And they said, "Nope, absolutely not. No more cruise." And so, oh man, I'm I'm hiding from my family right now because <laughs> uh, I'm the only one who doesn't have it. Doesn't get COVID. Ah, oh, that is the worst, man. So uh, we were supposed to travel, and we did. Where was the cruise gonna go? Not that this is gonna help you feel any better. Um, it was gonna go like to Cozumel, Mexico. Am I saying that right? Cozumel sounds sounds right. Cozumel. You want to know the the secret as a preacher on things you don't know how to pronounce? Do it fast. Just say it with confidence and move on. And everyone's like, "Oh, that's how you pronounce it." Yeah, <laughs> that's good to know. I'm yeah. gonna think about that every time you say it every weird. time I say a name. <laughs> yeah, just kind of plow through it and you just assume. But I was thinking you could tell us your story, like what happened. But I would try to orchestrate it here with my guitar. <laughs> You know, like if you could... Once you pulled that guitar out and you, you said I was going to share, I knew where this was going. Yeah, so I'm going to, I'm just going to play what I'm hearing in the story. If you could just say, you could just give us like, and okay. you could be a little, like, you can, like, a little dramatic if you want. A little, a little You don't dramatic. have to go like full, like, thespian, but, but, um, you know, you could be, and then here we go. So does it start? Just tell, just tell me. Does it start? Happy this is or so sad? hard just to tell. Well, I mean, it started. It starts happy. It okay. Starts okay. Happy. So we, Lindsay and I, uh, every summer we take a two week or so vacation, and we were heading out to Texas, um, flying into Dallas, Fort Worth, and that plane went went great. Went to Dallas. Dallas was uh, not as exciting as I had, had thought it might be. Uh, but then from there we went to Waco. Did the Magnolia thing. Went down to San Antonio. Wait, you went to Magnolia? We went to Magnolia. Chip and, Chip Chip and Joe's place. Did you meet them? Uh, no, but that's about it that there is to do in Waco. There's not a whole lot in Waco. I didn't think so. Yeah, yeah. that's about it. It's so it's still, it's still going well. Life is good. Everyone's Life is good. Happy. Everyone's happy. We watched Lindsay graduate with her PhD in, in San Antonio, so that was fun. Uh, then we went out to Georgia. Everything's good. Spent time with my family. Fantastic. And then, and then we started traveling home. Hit the minor keys. <laughs> so, it was a Friday morning. <laughs> and Friday morning, we hop in the car at my brother's house, about 30 minutes, 30 miles outside of Atlanta. And we should have caught on here that the day was not going to go as planned. Because it took it took for that thirty miles two hours to get to the oh Atlanta gosh. airport, <laughs> and so we're sitting in Atlanta traffic for two hours getting to the airport. Eventually, we make it. We did give ourselves enough time. And Was so there any we, road rage? Um, Atlanta drivers are crazy. So, so we get on the plane. All right. So the, the okay, flight so, from so Atlanta, it's, it's, it started to feel a little bit like okay, a little bit better. It. We got through we security made- in time. We made it to the gate. All that was was good. We're sitting at the gate now. Here was the kicker, though. So we're flying from Atlanta to Phoenix, and in Phoenix we had a thirty-minute layover. So we've been praying. Just 30 minutes. That's nothing. That's not much. To deplane. Oh, oh, that's not a lot. Your bags have to get transferred. Yeah, to deplane, to get over to the next gate, all that. 
And so we had been praying that our second flight would be slightly delayed. Uh, that was our prayer. And so we land, and the flight was delayed 30 minutes. And we thought, this is perfect. Oh. So that was going to be perfect. Happy. It was going to give us an hour. So that was good. Yeah. So we deplane, we get over to the gate, and we're thinking, everything's turning up roses here. We went and got coffee, we got snacks, we're sitting there at A17 in Phoenix, and we're thinking we did it. And then we sat, and we sat, and it got delayed, and delayed, and delayed, and delayed, until eventually, and here's the kicker, we're sitting there at our gate, A17 in Phoenix. I'm looking at our plane. I'm looking at pilots that are also at the gate waiting to get on the plane. Oh, man. But we do not have a flight crew. And without the flight crew, we cannot take off. And then we hear the devastating words, the flight is canceled. Oh. And at this point, it is, I'm going to guess, 9 o'clock Phoenix time, which we're on East Coast time, so it was midnight from like what we're feeling. And so once it's canceled, Lindsay and I kind of scramble, like, what are we going to do? So we hop in the line, customer service line, to then, you know, rebook, figure out what the next steps are, all that. We get in that line, and there are 40 people in front of us with two agents at the desk moving incredibly slow. And uh, this was... Midnight in Arizona. (laughs) Midnight in Arizona. That's a good album name, by the way. So we sit there forever. We finally, finally uh, get up to the front desk, and they we begin to kind of figure out what are the next steps. Now, this is Friday night. I preach Sunday morning, and all of a sudden, I realize most of the other preachers on staff are out of town. <laughs> like, I've got to get home to preach. And the first flight they could book for us wouldn't have got us in until Saturday at 11.55 p.m. Oh, so it would have been like you got to be up at like five the next morning. Yeah, to, to get them preach, and they wanted then to fly us back to Dallas to then fly direct to SFO. Isn't that where all the craziness started? That's where all the craziness started. Oh, I was heck like, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not flying to Dallas. Okay, hold on a second. You have also two kids with you. Two kids. I imagine your wife exhausted. is being an adult and holding up. But your kids, it's, how are, how are your kids handling this whole thing? I mean, lot, there's not enough iPads for this moment. <laughs> there was there was a lot of iPad time and a lot of Nintendo Switch. Oh and then gosh. I look over at one point and uh, they are just sprawled out in the terminal. Adley's asleep. Madison is like watching her 900th movie. Like she's found the bottom of Netflix. She's just watching all of it. And so we end up having though like, and we're there now. And by the way, in that terminal. There were like three other flights that were canceled behind us. And so that line of 40, I'm not even kidding, was a line of... Pro- and I was in that that line of like 40, I was in line for over three hours. Like oh just my sitting there gosh. Waiting. The <laughs> line is, behind this us... This is literally my nightmare. <laughs> I just can't even... But here's the kicker. The line behind us as those other flights canceled. It was at minimum 150 people behind me. And it's moving so stinking <laughs> slow. And I wanted to just go and tell everybody, like, don't wait. It's not going to work. Just start walking home. Just tell everybody, just, this is where we die. <laughs> this is purgatory. <laughs> this is it. This is the end of it. So all that, and we end up saying, we're not flying back to Dallas. So we end up having to cancel our flights, rent a car, and we're going to drive all the way home from Phoenix the next day. Wow. <laughs> That's like a 15-hour drive? Yeah, 13 hours. 13 hours. 
And so we end up, we crash. We finally get to a hotel. The airlines put us up in a hotel for the night. Those are always the real nice ones, too. It actually was. It was actually... Really? I actually oh. wish we had more time in it. It was, <laughs> it was wild. I think it was because the holiday weekend, like, they had given out so many vouchers. And they're like, I guess we got to start booking the nice ones. But we get to this hotel at 1 a.m., which is 4 a.m. East Coast time. And so we're just exhausted. We sleep for four hours. We wake up at 5 a.m. Phoenix time, hop in the car, and just start driving all the way home. And eventually, like, by the end of that drive, Lindsay and I were, like, alternating. <laughs> who's falling asleep? Who's driving? And then when that person started to get tired, we'd just switch, like, every hour. But it was it was brutal. But we did finally. We rolled into the house around 6 p.m. Saturday, a day late and a couple bucks short. But we made it, and we got there. And then we woke up and preached on Sundays. So we made it. Resolution. <laughs> Dude, that's even crazier than I, uh, I... I knew a little bit of that story, but that is... It was rough. It oh was my gosh, rough. man. Anyway, it's a, good, uh, it's a good segue because we were. that was a very inefficient way to tell that story. <laughs> but it was the best way. I think. It was the best way. Yeah, it was the most melodic. <laughs> and... Um, I feel like I, I, when I was listening to this message, um, I just felt like I don't want to put this on everybody here in this country, but I will say for my own life, like I feel like sometimes efficiency is our God. Yeah. Like we, yeah. we go so hard after yeah. trying. Well, I forget what the quote was that you said. What, what was that first quote that where not the first quote, but the second quote? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so that quote was um, Andrew Root. He says, the point of my actions is to have as much of the world as I can expend my energy to possess. But here's the irony. To get and keep this having, I must continue and never decrease my pace of more and more expended energy. I'm forced to always accelerate my activity to keep what I have. Standing still or even taking a break is no option. With enough expended energy, I'm told I can possess the world. And soon the exhaustion of this expenditure of energy to have as much of the givenness of reality as I want alienates me from myself and worse being alienated from myself. I'm alienated from the world inside the busyness to have the world is no longer a place to encounter life. Hmm. Read that first sentence again. The point of my actions is to have as much of the world as I can expend my energy to possess. Oh yeah. That's just, I mean, and we, and you've said this in different ways in your message, but like, this is, we get rewarded for this anywhere else. Yeah. Like this is what the world admires. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just talking to a person who, um, about a friend of ours who's, who started a business and is just killing it. He's making money hand, hand over fist. Yeah. And, um, and we were just praising how this guy can do more with like five hours than an, average person could do in like two days yeah. like he just has mastered how to fit everything and how to multitask and and all yeah. that kind of stuff yeah. um and it feels like this is like a major idol for us i don't know yeah. did you did, were you thinking yeah. about that a no lot? It, 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 it kind of operates as you're even kind of alluding to like subtly it's just kind of like like even when you think about calling efficiency an idol you know i would imagine most of us are kind of like well what's what's wrong with efficiency Right? Like, why is that, um, you know, why is that a bad thing? But, but it, it, it functions really from that idea of, again, um, the giving and, and expending of resources. And that, 
that when when the when the entire world is reduced to this idea of giving, um, expending or accumulating resources, uh, it actually like flattens your identity to that which you, um, as I said later on, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later, but you, you flatten your identity to what you accomplish and what mm. you accumulate. And so your whole world is set up based on that reality of like, what do I expend energy for? And then the only reason I expend that energy is to accumulate more things that I can then expend energy doing, right? Mm. Like, so whether that's earning money to buy the next thing, um, like, you know, like that, that, that's, I think that's something that we can all feel like the more you own, the more, um, the more you have to take care of things, the more you expend energy to protect and to cultivate all that, like, and so we get caught in this sort of rat race and, and then the game becomes, if the game is about accumulation and accomplishment, um, then of course, efficiency is where we'd go. How can I do that quicker? How can I do that faster? Um, because just being or stopping or sabbathing, as we talked about this week, um, is just a waste of an opportunity, right? To garner more resources. Um, and so we become almost mechanical in that way. We become like a machine more than, more than just a human. I think that, um, like, not to make this an Enneagram podcast, but I I resonate with the Enneagram number three, mm-hmm. which is the achiever. Yeah. And there is something in me that just, for the sake of achievement, for the sake of people knowing that I've accomplished something, yeah. I have this drive to accomplish more. Yeah. And so efficiency appeals to me. Not necessarily because I want to acquire more, although maybe that's what I, like in the back yeah, of my mind, yeah, I say, yeah. you know, could earn more, or, you know, but more, the thing that drives me more is just the achievement itself. Mm. Um, like, I want to be the guy that people talk about and say, you see how much Brandon got done in that blah, 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 yeah, blah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's this weird, there's this kind of under undertow in my, in my mind that I'm constantly having to fight yeah. and slow down. And, um, Man, it's just uh it's really weird as a songwriter because songwriting songwriting and kids are both like a very inefficient, <laughs> inefficient thing. They're yeah. they're two inefficient <laughs> things and they're both things that I really love. I love my kids yeah. and I love writing songs and I I can measure where I'm at on this how I'm yeah. doing with rest and how I'm doing with with um you know being present with God and Sabbath based on how much I'm writing based on how much time I'm just hanging out with my kids. Yeah. If I'm going crazy on something, I'm not going to have any time for all of that. So Yeah, there's something too that you're even kind of alluding to like that connection between creativity and Sabbath or, or mm. stopping, right? Like there's a level at you can't you can't force or rush art, something like art. And and even even something like, you know, my my oldest daughter um she's she's big into art. She loves art and that's kind of where we're seeing her passion develop more and more and and it's interesting watching her kind of sit in that because it is inefficient like there's, yeah there's nothing efficient about art and in a modern world that demands that that it has you know that again this this addiction to resource whether it's expending or consuming um it's interesting that you talk about that in particular like where is the place like art cuts across that you know where it's like that is inefficient but yet I don't think I don't think many people would say we should just do away with the arts, right? There's something <laughs> deeply profound about the arts that Although, get us from a different way. In 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 places where efficiency is like mm. like I was just in in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Yeah. 
the hurry that people have there is much different than the hurry mm. that they have here. Yeah, you know, Lindsay and I talk about um, how often like the Bay Area, you know, which which it which it's with its history of like the gold rush, it's like we're in another gold rush. Right? Oh yeah, and that's the way like the Valley Silicon Valley works, right? Move here, get rich quick, and then like head out wherever you want to go. Uh, but that's that sort of like efficiency, trying to just get here, make an impact, make a change, and then you know kind of move on with life. So it feels like that same vein. You know, when it comes to rest, I was thinking about how. Um you know, there are things in our life that need that like force replenishment. Like when we get hungry, you know, at a certain point we have to eat Mm -hmm. when we, uh, when our gas tank gets low, it's mine. I drove around for a couple miles today on zero. (laughs) My Honda Civic nervous, dude, my Honda (laughs) Civic, when it gets to zero miles left, I've tested it. It could go, it can go over 30 miles. Anyway, so I'm driving around. When you tested it, did you run out and like crash on the side of the road? I didn't test it intentionally. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it was coming back from LA. He just found the bottom. <laughs> it was it was rough, man. It was on the grapevine. <laughs> anyway, um, but there are so there are things in our lives like oh, this needs replenishment right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there are things that do need replenishment, but that bottom is harder to find. Yeah, and I feel like with our with particularly you know with rest and and soul rest, like we yeah. like you're talking about yeah. with Sabbath, like you don't really. F- the the effects are maybe less direct. Like it's not mm. as harsh as running out of gas where you yeah. can't move anymore. You yeah, know, yeah. unless you get to the point where maybe you have like a nervous breakdown or uh, yeah. And that's what I was gonna say is like there. I think there is though a sense when like I remember um, before Lindsay and I started really taking serious Sabbath, um, and I shared this with staff a couple weeks ago. Um, every time we would take a vacation, I'd get sick. And I'm convinced it was my body that was just more saying like, I go, 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 go. And the one time I finally would rest and it had like zero balance, zero pace of life. Like I would just go a thousand miles an hour until I went on vacation is my body was catching up, right? Like it was like, finally, when I finally rested, it just like would wreck me and I'd get sick and I'd be sick the whole vacation and then we'd get back and then just jump back on the treadmill. Right? Like, because there was no rest or rhythm. And so like, in some ways I think that is like, that's one of the indicators that that life, that restful balance is like way out of whack um, is when you feel it in your body and you, you literally do get sick or a nervous breakdown or whatever it is. And there's, there's complicated, there's other, you know, factors into those things, but, but I think it is one of the ways. And I think it, there's a sense that like Sabbath is coming for you, whether you want it or not, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's whether you choose to do it intentionally or you get sick and have to stop or whatever it is, you know? I think it's easy. The reason I bring it up is because I feel like it's easy for me to live in this sort of state, just constant state of like soul fatigue. Yeah. You know, where I, I managed to, to just stave it off enough where I don't really have the running out of gas situation. Yeah. But, or even, you know, getting sick or whatever, but that all, and I feel like this is a lot of us where we just kind of have this general underlying fatigue you know yeah. there's there's a couple things and when i sold mattresses that you can <laughs> that you can ask people and they think it's a unique answer but it's really everybody's answer yeah one of them is do you have any lower back pain <laughs> oh yeah everyone has a little bit of lower back pain well have i got the mattress for you and the other one is do you feel tired a lot uh yeah all the time i generally feel fatigued all the time well have i got the mattress for you so that's why i bring it up the other thing yeah. that you said that i thought was um Man, just fascinating that um, I've heard before, but it really hit me in a new way that God rested. Yeah. But it's not because God gets tired. He's tired. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and, and like, well, and there is like, yeah, it's fascinating when you think through God creating the universe and then intentionally stopping. Like, there's, like, imagine if he just didn't stop. Like, that wouldn't have been noteworthy to us. You know what I mean? Like, he could have just made the week six days, right? Or made the seventh and worked on the seventh. But for some reason, God, well, I, well the reason is for Sabbath, for our own sake, but, but God creates and creates and then he chooses to stop. Not out of fatigue. Now, when we see Jesus in the New Testament, right, fully human, we do see him get tired um, hmm. at times where he he rests and he is fatigued. Uh, but that but that's different than God proper, right? Um, God the Father resting. Um, and yet, again, like we somehow buy the myth that we're too busy to rest, hmm. and yet it seems like if God can rest, yeah. which feels like a trite, like churchy kind of preacher way to say this of like, well, God rests so you can, but like, I mean, think about it. Yeah. I mean, God himself rests, chooses intentionally without need to rest. Um, like that's pretty profound. Uh, when then we as finite beings who do in fact need rest would, would choose not to rest. Um, that's a problem. You know what I mean? That's a problem if we, if we reject that. So God actually created us for, and and you're not down on work. No, not not at all. Not even down necessarily on efficiency sometimes. Like sometimes life calls for that. Yeah. But he created us for work and... And rest. For rest. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's certainly not down at work at all. I mean, you have six days to work, Yeah. right? Like just think of the balance between the two. But when it becomes, you know, that idol that we've talked about, like when it becomes your everything... Um, then, then it actually, I think in some ways it actually cheapens what you do, um, because it becomes just the thing opposed to like that balance of, of not even balance, just the six days working, stepping into that rhythm, six days work, one day rest. Um, because work is crucial. We've been, we were made to work. We were absolutely made to work and to rest. Um, and both of those things have to kind of, you know, be at play. So you say that Sabbath, you give us three words and I'm wondering if you could, Mm -hmm. Maybe give us a uh, another little overview of these rhythm. Sabbath is rhythm. Sabbath is blessed, and Sabbath is holy. Yeah, yeah. So these are really coming from that Genesis account of Sabbath, and so, <clears throat> so when God creates, as we just talked about, there's that six and one rhythm. Um, we're baked into kind of the created order. Um, there is that sort of work for six days, rest for one, um, and so when then we fight that rhythm. Uh, in the same way, like, again, as a musician, right? Like, in the same way that if you're playing in a different key than what the song is written for, the dissonance is pretty stark. Like, you could feel that right away. Um, if, if the drummer's off by a beat, we all know it. Um, in the same way, when you work out of rhythm with the way the world was created, you feel it and you mm. see the effects of that, mm. um, as we were talking about earlier, right? And so there is that sort of rhythm, that seven-day rhythm, six on, one off, that we step into. Um, but then interestingly, you know, the two things that, that Genesis talks about um, in that Genesis 2, um, I think it's verse 3, where it talks about Sabbath, it says, you know, that God blessed it and made it holy. Um, and so the blessing, uh, we see earlier in chapter 1, there are two other things that are blessed. There's the living creatures, where it says in, in verse one, uh, chapter 1, it says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. And then the humans are also blessed, which is in chapter 1, verse 28. God blessed them, the humans, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. And so you get this sense where in the creation narrative, three things are blessed. The first two are blessed, and then they're um, 
told to to be fruitful and increase. So there's a, a you know, I think the word I used on Sunday was this sort of generativity to it. They're they're generating, self-generating things, which is the um, kind of the work aspect of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, they're they're exactly those sorts of things being blessed are creating and create more on their own um, because they are blessed. So then when you get to Sabbath, although it doesn't say you know God bless the Sabbath so it could be fruitful and multiply. The assumption is you've been paying attention in chapter one and you see when something's blessed, it's fruitful and, and has this sort of generativity to it. Um, and I think there's a, there's an essence there where that's Sabbath, right? This day that's blessed um, for our rest, I would suggest is God's design for us to be able to be fruitful and multiply, right? To be able to do the work we do. And it's not that we rest so we do work, um, you know, but it's rather like in this gift of Sabbath to us, we find that sort of life-giving um, blessing of God kind of in into the created order. Um, and then that third word, holy, and this one's always been fascinating to me. Uh, I, I usually like to start this by asking people, like, what, what do they think the first thing called holy in the Bible is? Hmm. Uh, most people don't. I, I wouldn't have. First time I was asked that, like, said Sabbath. Uh, but yet Sabbath is the very first thing in the entire scriptures called holy, uh, which wow. I think is just fascinating, right? Well, because you think about set apart. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it literally is this one kind of set apart thing, right? This yeah. one set apart day. And so that like wow. holiness of the day um, is really where Sabbath gets its, um, it's kind of, you know, it's edge to it. It's like, it is, it is supposed to be a different day, um, a day to the Lord, um, as, as scriptures would talk about as well, which really brings in that distinction between like leisure and rest. And it isn't just a day off to do the household chores. Um, but Sabbath is a day unto the Lord. It's a holy day um, that you set aside, which which is interesting. And even the way that most practice Sabbath, um, you know, holy is where we get holiday. Uh, the same really? word is like it's a set apart day. Oh, um, holy etymologies day. there. And so so when you when you think about the way you practice Sabbath, it's like a holiday, a holy day every single week. Wow. Um, a sort of celebrate. It's like it's uh, I've heard it once called like Christmas without all the fanfare, like every week without all the like baggage of christmas and having to do all the things every week you get to celebrate the sabbath you get to you know observe it as a holiday mm. uh, which becomes a pretty beautiful thing right where it becomes that day where you get to intentionally set it apart to commune with god to enjoy his created order uh, to enjoy one another to enter into that again that deep rest and worship thinking about that just kind of like lowers my blood pressure <laughs> <laughs> you look a little more relaxed right now. What's the what's the cathedral in time? I just remember really liking yeah. that. Was that a quote? Yeah, so it's uh Abraham Joshua Heschel, uh who he's a rabbi, wrote this beautiful little book. I'm gonna guess it's like 75, 90 pages, um, not long at all. But in there he talks about Sabbath. He, he's he's a rabbi, so he's Jewish, and he talks about Sabbath Sabbath a day as the Jews' great cathedral in time, hmm. uh, which is beautiful, right? And what he's getting at is the idea of meeting God, right? When we think of meeting God, we usually think of location. Um, we go to church to meet God. We go to temple. We go to synagogue uh, to meet God. Um, but Heschel would argue in that book that that's, that's what Sabbath has become for the Jews, was their cathedral, their space to meet God. But it's not in you know, space or material world. It's in time. That you designate a time, um, and it's in that time then that you meet God. Mm. Uh, which, you know, I think we've talked about, we've talked about like attentiveness before, that one of the ways that you develop intimacy and love with another 
um, is you do that through time. You can't you can't rush love, right? And so time, setting apart an entire day to the Lord is one of those spaces where we meet God um, kind of in love, but but in, in time, which, which again is distinct like when you think of, and I, I mentioned this on Sunday, uh, you know, all the other religions of the world, they designate space or location as holy. There's oh, a holy yeah. temple, there's a holy place, a holy mountain. Um, but, but for, you know, for, for the Christians, it's, you know, God sets aside a day as holy. It's a time, um, which is fascinating because then anybody can go to that yeah. holy place, uh, because it's a holy day. Anyone has that opportunity. It's so funny, Kev, cause I, um, this week I was out at a wedding and, um, it's actually one of the last sort of uh, travel gigs that I'm doing. I do, you know, music on the side and, um, I've been traveling all over for like seven or eight years and sort of my last Mm. travel gig was this weekend. Someone flew me out to Wyoming and, um, that's what enabled me to miss getting COVID by the way. But, (laughs) um, as I was on my way there, I had this really long layover in Salt Lake city and I was just kind of reflecting on, seven years of being yeah. gone and chasing this dream of doing music professionally and, and um, just thinking about, you know, what it's going to be like when it's gone. Hmm. And there was a piece of me that has grown to rely on that feeling of adventure and going hmm. out. And, yeah. And um, I started, I had started writing this song and, and just didn't ever have the time, like I said earlier to get around to writing this song, but it was a song that's actually um, around, this old oak table mm. that's been passed down through generations and talking about, um, you know, what this table would have seen over, you know, a hundred years. Yeah. Um, when, when great grandpa built it yeah. and all the conversations that happen around it, all the life that happens around it and every, every, you know, stain or gash that it gets is another story of this mm. table's life. And so I'd kind of started writing that and I, I just brought it up again with this big long layover and thinking through it. And I realized like at the, at the end of the day, like the dreams that I have now are just so different. Hmm. Like uh, now that I'm sort of reconnecting as, as a father and, uh, and as a husband and, and as a follower of Jesus, I'm realizing like the dream isn't out there. The dream mm. is at home. And so I ended up finishing in the Salt Lake city airport, this, yeah. this song about the table. I think I'll, I'll, I'll record like a little demo just for our, our few podcast listeners yeah, they can listen yeah, to and I'll, I'll attach it. But it, it talks about this rhythm and yeah. the table, you talked about this a lot, Kevin, like the table is, is a great um, symbol yeah. for this slowing thing. Yeah. And that's where, that's where the song goes. It basically yeah, says if, if, if the kitchen table talked, it yeah. would say, Hey, like sit down and like yeah. you, there, there will be a moment in your life when it, you want to stop when you wish you had stopped. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, which is interesting. Like even just thinking through like, like communion that we, we practiced on Sunday, right. As a church, like Jesus gives us a meal, right. As this moment to like, as a, as a practice, as a sacrament to experience it around a table, right. Where, where there's more going on there than just like consuming food. It's it's I think it, it fully encompasses that whole experience of sitting at the table together. It it transcends the sort of materiality to it. It's yeah, like, it's not just it, eating. Exactly, it's the time spent together. It's mm. that like holiness around a table like that. That there's something in 
Um, you know, eating dinner at the table forces the stop. It forces you in some ways, like a little tiny Sabbath. And the rhythm of it, like you said, like there's a rhythm to that, that every night, you know, we know no matter how crazy our day gets, we're going to have, have this rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. Something beautiful about that. Anyway, I'll play it for you later. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about like, cause sometimes when people hear Sabbath, they hear yeah. leisure yeah. or they hear, you know, like, <laughs> let me get in my uh, velvet leisure suit yeah. and, you know, turn on a football game and, yeah. you know, have a beer and just chill out. Yeah. Um, talk to me about like the difference between leisure versus rest. Yeah. 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 I forget where I, I, I want to say I, heard, I first heard, um, Preach out in Oregon, John Mark Comer talk about this distinction between leisure and rest, and it was super helpful for me in the way I understood like what is Sabbath, what isn't Sabbath, and and he talked about again that difference between leisure and rest, and and both those things are are it's not pitting one against the other like one's bad, one's good, um, they're just different, right? And so so the difference with like leisure is leisure is kind of what you you talked about. It can be uh, the escaping into a show. Um, you know, kind of mindlessly, you know, watching a movie or, uh, you know, my, my girls have picked up Mario Brothers this summer and so we're playing a lot of <laughs> Nintendo, which like we haven't normally done. Like um, old school Nintendo or like? I need to introduce them to old school. This is Nintendo Switch, so oh, it's not quite as yeah, old school. Okay. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so like those are leisure activities, right? Which aren't, aren't bad. There's nothing wrong with that. No one should, uh, you know, Pete Scazzaro um, talks about how no one should feel guilty about watching a TV show. Like we were talking about this and I, I fully agree with that. Like, there should be no guilt over leisure, but leisure is different than rest. And and the the example I used on Sunday was you know none of us at the end of binging a show on Netflix really get to the end of it and be like ah, my soul is rested now <laughs> you know what I mean like we never really get there after watching I think the example I used is like Stranger Things season four yeah you know which is so especially good. not that. Sci-fi uniquely is yeah. <laughs> is not restful. Like when I, I tried to binge watch Black Mirror one time, oh, it's like I stressful. Just, I just, yeah, I was more stressed when I was done. At the end, of blood pressure's higher. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think when we have to make that distinction because Sabbath isn't a day for leisure, uh, it's a day for rest. And the difference then is if leisure is kind of the um, escapism, which again I don't want it to think like that's all inherently bad. Um, rest is more like, how do I reintegrate with my soul? Like, how do I, how do I like throughout the week, we slowly just get beat up by the world. Um, we just kind of, there's a, um, there's a sort of like chipping away a death by a thousand paper cuts that happens throughout the week. And we slowly kind of get disconnected from ourselves. We get disconnected from God and we get disconnected from others. And Sabbath is really that restful Sabbath is about reconstituting yourself. It's about bringing yourself the ways you've been frayed by your busy week, saying, "Okay, who who am I again? Who am I in connection with God? And who does God say I am?" And Sabbath gives you the chance to kind of reintegrate all those pieces hmm. and say, "No, no, I'm here, and I'm a child of God, and I can commune with God." Um, and so Sabbath, that like deep rest, is really that like soul filling rest, uh, where you at like this deep core get to that place where you're like, I'm not what I do. I'm not what I consume. I am a child of God. And like sitting in that, like that's what Sabbath's for. Mm. Um, and it doesn't happen like, you know, again, we've been practicing Sabbath for seven plus years. Um, it doesn't happen every week. It's not like every week at the end of it, I'm like, everything's perfect and life's back together. Like it, yeah. it's certainly far from that. But I will say that that sort of rhythm has, has created that sort of forcing event 
to say, okay, I'm in like a thousand different places. And Sabbath allows me the margin to say, okay, how do I bring all that back before God? And remember um, that I'm not the grease that makes the world spin, right? Like I am in fact a child of God that's limited and finite, but yet loved by this infinite God. <clears throat> and you are greasy, you know, <laughs> I, but you're not, you're not the grease. I'm know? not the grease, just <laughs> greasy hair product. But other than that, yeah. Oh, uh, by the way, our, our collective barber. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got a new hair product from him. Oh, nice! Shout out to Travis. But uh, San I don't Mateo like it. Zoo, if you're out there, that's my uh, my shout out to him. Look him up; he's the man. <laughs> he's great. You got to go. Yeah. Um, I have sent, by the way, I can't even tell you how many people to him. He's awesome. But. You should start asking for a cut, <laughs> <laughs> referral <laughs> kickback. Yeah. Uh, uh, I love I love thinking about this because you know, like what we resist about Sabbath. Um, when we really think about it, um, is actually so good for us. Yeah. Like it's something that God created us for. And you kind of made this distinction. Well, actually, Jesus made the distinction when he says the Sabbath was was made for man. Mm. Um, and and the Pharisees had gotten to this point where, you know, they were basically saying like, no, 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 like you need to like obey our laws and obey the Sabbath. But he actually, Jesus kind of flipped the script. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, in that line where he says, um, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, um, as I pointed out, most of us love the second half of that, right? That um, man, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, and we're used to that second line, and we kind of hang out there and seeing like, oh, okay, I'm not, it's not meant for me to put all this legalism around it and, and be all rigid about it, so I don't need it. That tends to like, at least my growing up, was that's how we viewed Sabbath. Was yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we weren't we weren't made for it, or you know we weren't made for the Sabbath. So it's like ah, we can throw it out and we don't have to worry about it and that. And and I think the fear is that we threw we threw the baby out with the bathwater. We threw everything about Sabbath out when we forget that first line, hmm. which is the Sabbath was made for man. It's it's a gift. Um, it's very much a gift to us, uh, and and it's a gift that really is tapping in again all the way back to Genesis. This this is the way we were created. This is the way the world was created. And so when we throw it all out, uh, we miss the fact that, again, no, Sabbath is a gift from God um, that's been given to us to, for our benefit, for our good. And we tend to get so trapped in that sort of um, concern about that legalism, and we, we worry that somehow we're going to descend into that. And I just suggest that we're pretty far from that. Yeah. And that's actually not <laughs> at all what we need to worry I'm about. Not, I'm not worried about too much Sabbathing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, because we like we just we miss it, right? And mm. and even getting back to the idea of work and rest, like that's what we're created for. Um, there may be times, and maybe there are some people out here who do need to like remember, hey, you were also made for work. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like you do need to do something. <laughs> I tend to think the Bay Area isn't a space that that's usually the case. Yeah, uh, but but we forget that it's like no, no, no the Sabbath was made for man. Um, it is in fact the gift God has given us. And, and I just suggest, like, again, as I, I tried to do on Sunday, um, this isn't an issue of, like, sin or not sin. Like, we have to kind of, we, we usually dump in, flatten everything to those sort of categories. I think this is more an issue of wisdom, where God's just saying, there's a different way. There's a different mm, way you can live yeah. in this world. You don't have to do it this way. And what, it, what if we just responded to that by saying, man, maybe there is something to this, and I want to step into it and just try it, you know? And if it doesn't work... Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no command in the New Testament saying you have to do this. Yeah, um, there is. It did make the Big Ten in the Old Testament, <laughs> and so, so there's some, some weight to that, some importance. But, 
Uh, but nowhere in the New Testament is it like you have to Sabbath. Um, but I think you're missing a chance to really step into rhythm with God um, and an opportunity to heal part of your soul at the world's eroding away. So you, you boiled this down, um, this passage down into like three, I don't know, almost like responses that rival each yeah. other yeah. to Sabbath. Um, give us a quick overview of those yeah. three responses. Yeah. So the first one that I point out, you see just so clearly in the text, it's the, what I call the Pharisees corruption of Sabbath. And so in, in that, you know, we see them loading on, um, you know, they had the law, which was 613 laws in the old Testament. And they had what was called the Mishnah, which is this oral tradition in which the Pharisees had 1500 more laws that were placed on top of the old Testament law. Um, and they just loaded the thing and, and not all of those were about Sabbath, but a lot of them were. And those laws then <clears throat> created this sort of legalistic structure that they, that people had to force themselves into in order to uphold the Sabbath. Right. And, and they, they eventually, you know, they fell into the trap that Jesus confronts them on, uh, which isn't, you know, they, their, their concern wasn't that the Sabbath was made for man. They actually got that. They understood that their struggle was that they believed man was made for the Sabbath. Mm. And so Jesus kind of just essentially looks at him and says, you've corrupted this good gift I've given you. Yeah. Um, and you've completely lost the plot. Um, now what I, what I posed on, on Sunday was that I think I would guess 95% of us, yeah. that's not our issue. We're not worried about following the 1500 laws. Like, so the next one, the next one is the one I think most of us struggle with, which, which is, yeah. What I call the secular rejection of Sabbath. Yeah. Um, which in our world is exactly what we've been talking about. There is no rhythm. You're always on. You're you're called to just go, 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 go. Seven days a week, always accessible, never off. The office is in your front left pocket on your phone, whatever it is. And the secular rejection of Sabbath really functions from kind of um, two identity statements that you are what you accomplish and you are what you accumulate. Uh, I mean, those two things are what define your identity. And so if that's like the secular myth, if that's the, the God that we worship in our, in our kind of secular world is accomplishment and accumulation, then of course you just go seven days a week because to take a day off would actually be, um, it, it would be, in some ways it'd be heresy, right? According mm. to that, like it would be a, uh, you know, it would be idolatry to not because you wouldn't be worshiping the things that you should. That's, yeah. that's the secular myth. And and most of us and you fall behind the rest. Yeah. Everyone else, you, you know, the lie is everyone else is running that hard. Yeah. So if you don't run that hard, you're going to miss out. Yeah. You know, yeah, the, yeah. the person who works the hardest and works there's like a there's like a you know something earned when you say, oh man, I was at I was at work last night till you know yeah yeah there's ten o'clock social capital night. that you gain there yeah yeah and you know and what's interesting about that too which you know when we think about you know Jesus teaching on like counting the cost to follow him. I think there might be like there might be a real cost to taking a day off and you may in fact fall behind. Hmm. But but I don't know like you know I, it's not a sort of prosperity thing where it's like if you sabbath God will bless your career like that's not the case <laughs> like maybe I think I think your soul will be more rested. I think you'll be more sane. I think I think the idea of like you know what we do sacrifice if we don't sabbath or don't I shouldn't say if we don't sabbath but if we don't follow follow Jesus is the fruit of the spirit, right? Like that's what we sacrifice. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Like, and those are all things that I think at the end of the day, when we look at like, what would we want to characterize our life? That list ain't bad. Like, I think we'd want that. And so um, all that is Sabbath may in fact cost you. It may cost you career opportunity. It may cost you those things. Um, But I wonder if that's part of when Jesus says count the cost. 
that might be part in there. But again, the, 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 the turnaround is that, you know, Jesus says, let me give you life and life to the fullest. It'll look different. It'll be, it'll be different. Um, but there's something to this practice where yes, it costs something, but I think the, the gain is, is, you know, infinite on what you can gain. So, so that's why I think we lose in that sort of secular rejection of Sabbath. Uh, we live out of rhythm and, and we, um, <clears throat> we just live on, on this kind of constant treadmill of go. Um, and both of these, you know, the, the, Fer- the Pharisees' corruption and the secular rejection of Sabbath, both those, I would argue, disintegrate our souls. Hmm. They, they slowly erode at who we are. Yep. Uh, we buy the myth of accumulation and accomplishment. We buy the myth of laws and rules will shape, you know, right relationship. Um, and those all fail us, which is where we get to then, you know, the third, the third rival version of it, which is what Jesus was teaching was this sort of invitation to Sabbath. Yeah. Uh, where we find that rhythm to reintegrate our souls. Uh, we bring ourselves back into communion uh, with God through rest and worship on Sabbath. Um, and we, we say that's that space, that opportunity is what brings um, healing and like wholeness to our soul. Um, and, and Sabbath is one expression of that, you know, in which um, all those things have fallen in line with the way of Jesus will help us along that way. Uh, but Sabbath, you know, particularly in this one is where we connect with and maybe the Sabbath was made for us. And yeah. that's a good gift of God for us. It's not the only way, but it is a foundational. Yeah, thing, I yeah. think. Yeah. Because from this well. Yeah. Uh, similar to attentiveness, you know, from this well, yeah. you can live your life and follow yeah. Jesus. And maybe a unique one for our time and our place. Yeah. yeah. Right. Where, where life seems to be going faster and faster and faster. Sabbath seems like, you know, it seems like the zag when all of culture is zigging. Like this is the, this is the direction we go um, to just kind of as a subtle act of resistance against that kind of pull. We, we, we pull back and say, no, we're, we're going to live by a different rhythm. So I want to ask you a question. Um, how could you see this? Just freestyling here. How could you see this changing? Let's say, let's say the church, just mm. just everyone who goes to CPC. Hmm. Let's say everyone decides, and they figure out a way to put some sort of Sabbath in their rhythm. How do you think that would change? Yeah, CPC. How do you think that would change our lives? What do you think we would start seeing on a, on a maybe on a macro level? Yeah. Maybe a weird question, but no, it's good. Um, our old friend Walter Brueggemann, yeah, the Brewster. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a great book. Uh, it's called Sabbath as Resistance, and in there he talks about how those who live by Sabbath, who live and observe that one day, live the other six differently. Hmm. Um, and I love that because I think I've seen that in my own, my own life as well. And so I'll kind of talk about where it was, how it's changed me and then I'll expand that out. And I think of like, you know, when, when Lindsay and I first started doing Sabbath, it was really hard, it was really difficult. Um, we had to organize our, our earlier in the week different. We had to prepare, we had to get comfortable with leaving to-do lists undone. Like it was, it was really difficult. Um, but what, what slowly happened over time is we began to approach those other days with a different focus. Mm. Um, like, and maybe actually a better example is, you know, on Sabbath, I, I probably three, four years ago just said, I'm not going to do social media on Sabbath. And, and I would have said, I probably wouldn't have said it, but I can say looking back now that I was probably fairly addicted to social media, like before I made that move. And then when I made that move on Sabbath, it was really hard to say, I'm not going to look at any social media, but that actually broke a sort of addiction that I had later on. 
And now all of a sudden, like slowly, like social media, something as benign as like social media took a different role in my life because I, I, I had that moment to stop. And that one day reshaped the way I engaged social media the other six days. Mm. Um, so I didn't, it, it didn't feel like I needed to be on the rat race anymore. Right. And, and so I think there's, there's some real truth to that. Like when we start to observe the one day, the other six take a different form and, and it happens through whether it's breaking sort of addictions to busy and hurry um, or like the, just the, the, the very, you know, humbling act of saying, I'm going to stop and the world's going to be just fine. Hmm. Like there's a sense in which when you do that and you realize the world moves on without you at, with no issues, it, it humbles you. Cause you're like, I'm not as essential as I thought. Yeah. Uh, and, and it highlights God in that sense. And I think that's a really good thing. And so I think of like, if our church began to do that, like how, how beautiful and humble would that make us in the world around us to, to really lean in and trust that like we can shut down for a day and God's, God's fine. He's hmm. got it. He's got it. And, and in, in some ways it grows faith. It grows trust. Uh, I would envision it. It lowers anxiety. It lowers stress. Um, none of these are like guaranteed. I'm not saying if you do right. it next week, it'll happen. But likely we would see a massive trickle down effect. Yeah. yeah. That's not just on the Sabbath day, but on the rest of the days. Yeah. It reshapes the way you view every other part of your life uh, because you, you break right? There's, there's rhythm to see it from the outside. Um, and I think it is, I think there's something to it in, in a world that's always on and always going, I think a community of faith that says, no, we're going to resist that pull. I think that can be pretty profound. So we're going to, I don't want to spoil too much, but eventually at some point we're going to start trying to practice this together Yeah, as a church. Yeah. Either. I think it's going to be potentially this coming spring. Actually, we're going to talk a lot more about Sabbath and collectively try to begin to practice this uh, together. So, but no need to wait till then. Yeah. Don't wait. No need to wait, but but we'll have a lot more discussion around this coming. And if you, if you're trying this and you're starting it and you're starting that journey, whoever you are listening right now, um, let us know, tell us your stories, Um, send us your struggles or your successes or um, what you're what you're wrestling with in all of this, and we'd love to hear. And and we want to do this together as a body of believers trying to become more like Jesus. So, thank you for checking in today on Sabbath, and thanks, Kev. We will see you guys next week.